Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. going to try and live i am going to try and i'm going to go for it and i i remember thinking at a very young age at 13 like you better give it a shot and and be willing to embarrass yourself i remember thinking that so clearly having that in me for whatever reason welcome back y'all uh welcome back welcome back song by mace welcome back i'm so sorry i'm in a weird mood i'm always in weird moods when i record the intro outros i normally record them i'm you know what true story i'm lazy what happens is i will record with the guest uh and it's always a great recording and then i will not immediately record the intro outro right after so it'll be days after uh sometimes weeks after and then i'm just like in a weird mood uh this is my third time trying to record the intro outro one time i tripped up because i was trying to be inclusive with the weather and how the weather may or may not be making you feel that's weird y'all that is weird on my part and i still had to let you see that i had to let you glimpse into that and i say that because it's warm here it's nice it's sunny I live in New York City where, you know, since COVID, we have these things called open streets. They've opened up this week uh, where they shut down the avenues and people just get to like, you know, be on the streets and no cars allowed. I love it. It's amazing. Um, People with cars fucking hate it. And that kind of makes it even better. Um, But if you don't live in a major city where a very walkable city, I don't know if that would make sense either or if you'd feel the way the same way. But uh, it's great. I fucking love it. Anywho, what tangent will she go on this time you know (laughs) her anti-car tangent on her podcast awkward sex and the city anywho um i do love this episode like every episode it's really great i got to sit down with maggie lolly um we talked about her life relationships but the really really cool thing that she's doing right now is her musical comedy is off broadway at soho playhouse from the 19th so that's already passed to may 6th at 7 p.m at soho playhouse so you should absolutely absolutely go see it i'm gonna go see it i can't wait it's called sex witch the musical a musical comedy and i'm not gonna give too much away because uh you should go see it you should go support the arts and go see it but we talk in this episode a lot about you know per usual relationships and what our needs in relationships and that our needs are okay and that our needs are different from other people even like your partner you know whoever you're with and the same thing goes with like platonic relationships as well and i feel like i've been talking about that more and more um just because i just really think like we don't talk about platonic relationships enough and they're um oh my god what's the word that i want how they affect us um good or bad and i don't know if you feel the same way but like a lot of my life it felt like you know um love like 
non-platonic relationships, not that you can't have love in platonic, but a romantic relationship was always kind of put on the pedestal. Um, and that's not necessary. And how important it is to have friends and these very, you know, close, intimate relationships that are platonic, um, while also being romantic relationships, how important that is to not put like that, all that just like on your partner, like those types of needs. Um, this is not what we talk about neither in the relationship. Again, I'm doing a weird tangent, but we really do. We get really into like the nitty gritty of like our personal needs, um, from how we communicate our communication styles, what we need, like love language stuffs. But I think of course there's a truck going by gotta love recording in New York city in your apartment. Um, and learning how to say like, that's okay of what you need. Um, like we, I touch on it, like I need constant validation and I need it in every aspect of my life. So not just from Aaron, I a million times I'll be like, why do you love me? Do you still love me? And I'm not like exaggerating when Aaron listens to this, he will be nodding aggressively and being like, yeah, babe, what if you stop doing that? Um, I'll be like, list five reasons why you love me and they can't be my butt or my tits. Um, I need it in work. I need it in friendships. I need it in like my career. Like it's so, and I'm not saying that's healthy, but I do know that I need it, you know, and that it's okay to say that I need it. So we'll talk more about that. You listen to more about that. Um, and I hope from this, uh, podcast, uh, two things happen from this episode. One, you go see sex, Witch the musical at Soho playhouse. It's now on until May 6th at 7 PM. Go see sex, Witch the musical, uh, go see Maggie be fucking hilarious. Um, I love musical comedy so much. I wish I could. I just, I can't, um, and go follow her at mags Lals, M A G S L A L S on all the social medias. And then I am not sure when this podcast is coming out, um, but if it is before April 27th and you are in Nashville, Awkward Sex and City will be at Third Coast Comedy Comedy Club on the 27th. So you should absolutely come if you're in town if this podcast airs after that because my schedule is so um, scattered in my brain right now. I'm not sure when it comes out. Don't worry about it. And we will be touring. We're taking a break, but then we start back up in June and we will be hitting some of the same cities and even some new cities very soon. I'm very excited to announce. Um, yeah, I hope you love the episode and we'll talk soon. So yeah, I will. I'll start right off with Sex Witch. Um, I have not seen it. Yes. I'm very excited. When yeah. is it happening at Soho Playhouse? So it starts April 19th, this uh april 19th yeah this wednesday today's friday we're recording this and uh it goes until may 6th so there's 12 shows in there and uh yeah i'm i'm really excited i hope you come see it oh my god i would love to i would yeah. love to so much i'm loving just seeing people i know like at soho playhouse like mm -hmm. and just like i know that they're good shows too like yes yes absolutely people are crushing it yeah um, so you brought this you this originate in Scotland or did you do were you doing this play before? I did it a couple times in New York before I did it in Edinburgh. So uh yeah, it was I did it at under St. Mark's and the pit. R.I.P. Mm -hmm. Pit. R.I.P. Mm -hmm. OG pit. <laughs> that big pit. Oh yeah. That's yeah. where awkward sex started, was the OG pit. Yes, amazing. Yeah, I did the solo comp festival. I don't know if you yeah. did that. Yeah. Oh no. Okay, cool, cool, cool. I didn't do any of the best. I was only there. I interviewed for a long time and I only did awkward sex there for like less than a year yeah. because um 
I had a Tuesday slot. This is like, so none of this is important. I had a Tuesday slot. I was like doing yeah. really well on that Tuesday slot, like yeah. upstairs. Um, And so I was like, give me a Friday nice. slot. And then they were like, yeah, yeah. And then they switched their artistic director. And yep. coincidentally, all the female storytelling shows got dropped. What the fuck? Yeah. That, like it was this... like a very weird coincidence. Damn. This, this kind of stuff happens all the time, I feel. Like in mm-hmm. comedy in New York, it's like, oh, okay, suddenly the booker is a different person and and now there are no women around. They wanted <laughs> that was to, all time. Yeah. What he told me, I mean, this is back in like 2013, 2014, too. Yeah. This was so long ago. But they were like, we want to bring in plays. And everyone was like, but that's not what like the pit is. And like yeah. they got rid of like shows that were doing really well. Like right. that's what was really weird about it too. So it was like, okay. It's, it's bizarre. But then, oh, yeah, whatever. you're a star, so uh, aren't we, we all? We don't need the pit. <laughs> like, I am. Ex- oh, sorry, go on. No, it's it's funny. Honestly, when the pit closed, I was like so sad. Actually, I was like, oh my god, the pit, because I I felt like that was a place um, that I could sort of I would be there and I'd be like I'd be doing stand up and then I would go downstairs and do musical improv and then I would go upstairs and like do my sex switch show and it was just like. Man, this place, sometimes I would sleep in the attic when I was really tired. I mean, that's another thing. Yeah. I would stretch and I would nap in the attic. So. I mean, like, that that place, like, now thinking about it, is, like, where my life in New York City started. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, mean. Yeah. Like, met mm-hmm. a lot of people, had sex in that place. Wow. You had sex mm-hmm. in the pit. In that the is amazing. Room. In, yeah. Oh, in the dressing room. Yeah. Natalie, that is amazing. Wow. I am very proud of that. Uh, and it <laughs> was so cool. <laughs> I was dating like a house manager and he was very nervous. And oh I was like, but God. you have keys and it's the pit. That's like, I don't give a fuck. So funny. You oh, also, those are like hot dressing rooms because the mirrors are there. So you're like obviously getting railed up against and just, the like, mirror. Watching it. Yeah. And then watching it. Wow. This mm-hmm. is, this is incredible. I, I, I applaud you. That is. <laughs> so great I definitely have a like want to fuck in public places type of thing wow, like I've blown really? someone at Pioneer's Bar like in the bathroom oh my god this is amazing yeah now I've kind of forgotten all about this because I mean like I've been with my now husband I've been with him for eight years like wow. uh, and like we definitely did like outside stuff too but like pit related like yeah I have like fucked in those places like That's I've done so funny the only thing that I can sort of that's sort of similar that I have is that I I one time um had sex at Champion Studios which is <laughs> just a rehearsal space yes it, on like 18th street or something I, mm-hmm. I forget where it is Champion Studios I used to rehearse there all the time for different things like I'd be there with all these different improv independent improv practice groups you know classic and then I would rehearse there for a lot a lot of different shit anyway this guy that I met at this coffee shop when I was a barista in, in Harlem, uh, he was a German guy and he was my customer and we would have sex. And then I, I was like, meet me at champion studios. <laughs> like as if this is like a hot, hot place. And champion studios is like one of the, the it's, it's gross, you know, like it's not a cute, it's not Ripley Greer. Okay. It's not, it's not, it's gross. So we're in champion studios. He's like railing me on the ground in champion studios. And this discuss, by the way, we didn't even rent a rehearsal space. We snuck in. And I had no so many would- questions. Yeah. And then 
we literally got caught. They're banging on the door. He's like, fucking me. Obviously, I didn't come because I was like 23 and I wasn't coming. Mm-hmm. Anyways, he's like, didn't come either. He's like, I haven't come yet. And I'm like, well, they're literally banging on the door. So I don't know what you want me to do. And, and it was very obvious that we were like, we were very loud. We were like fucking in this rehearsal space. And then they were banging on the door. And then we're, I was like, get dressed, get dressed. And then uh, this guy came in and was like, get out, get out. Like, he only got us. And we were like banished from Champion Studios. <laughs> My favorite, cool. part, my favorite What's part that? is that um yeah. I love that you it wasn't like you guys were just there. You were like, meet me <laughs> yeah. at this place. Like, meet me at Champion yes. Studios. And then this is like so ballsy. You didn't even rent a room. Oh my god, what if you rented a room? I would have fucking died too if you but, rented the room just to fuck. I, I like pay $20, but also like I think I gave the uh, the receptionist like fifteen dollars like I slipped him fifteen dollars <gasps> in cash because I was like sorry I'm sorry I'm a whore or something like that I felt like oh my bad God. that I had snuck in and I mean it was you know I didn't feel bad about having sex there but I felt bad that I didn't pay for the room you know mm-hmm. I was like man I am I am you know not a champion of champion studios this is bad so I yeah I felt guilty but it I'm was like you- yeah Oh, no, I was just going to ask, were you, like, really banished? Like, have you never been back? Or were they, like... I mean, I don't think... I To be honest, I, I can't remember. It's not like they were like, you are banished. But I didn't didn't want to show my face there for, for a while. And I don't remember if I went back. I also... It's also, like, pretty easy to rehearse in New York City if it's not at Champion Studios. It's not like, I'm like, what am I going to do mm-hmm. if I... If I if I can't go to champion again, you know, I mean, I just, I don't think I ever went back. I can't remember though. Yeah. Cause the, the thing about it was that it was so cheap. Right. And so all the improv groups would exactly. go there. Um, exactly. What was, what was the one right next to pioneers? Oh, uh, well, simple. Was, wait, what was it? Was it simple studios? Oh, oh yes. Yes. Simple studios. Simple studios was kind of cute. Yeah. No, I, I remember, a- I remember simple studios. It had that, like good snacks. I get snacks. It had like comedians on the bathroom doors. And one of the most embarrassing <laughs> moments of my like life is um, and this is just all it all happened in my head. But it was like the first time I took an improv class. It was at Simple Studios, and I saw it's like a fucking what's his face, John Belushi on the dude, and I was like, okay, oh if it's Gilda God. Radner, in my mind, if I was like, if it's Gilda Radner on the like the the ladies' room. I'm going to make it as a comedian. And it is. Oh my God. Well, look at that. Well, has she made it? I don't know. But I just, I'll never remember. Like, I will never forget that memory of like, you were so delusional. Like you are hoping a picture on a bathroom in a rehearsal studio is a certain person. (laughs) It's like, you're like, your sign. Of course it's fucking Gilda Radner. Of course it was. Like, who else would it be? Funny. You know, I remember hearing this story about Gilda Radner that she was like the woman in comedy that everyone wanted to marry or something. Yeah. Right? Yes. You've heard yes. that too? Okay. It's in like the, um, they talk about it in the like oral history of, of uh, SNL, like yeah. that really thick book. Yeah. But yeah, they're just like, there's something about, it was like her, Jane Curtin, and then um, what's her face? But she was, there was something about how wholesome she was, even though she was like, <sighs> had a lot of demons obviously yeah um that yeah they everyone like she dated Dan Aykroyd she dated um Bill Murray 
Um, there's another one that she, uh, like cast member she dated too, but yes, I totally derailed you there, but yes. No, no, no. I wanted to know more. I was like, what is it about her? I gotta be wholesome. (laughs) I'm going to be like Gilda. That's wholesome and bulimic. That's the way to go. Was she she bulimic? Oh yeah. Oh my God. I didn't know that, man. I'm just not in the know. Yeah. What's her face was like addicted to cocaine. Gilda was bulimic. And then Jane Curtin would just go home to her husband and dog. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's, that sucks. Right. (laughs) Like all three, I mean, all three scenarios are like, all right, well, you know, the Coke thing. I don't really understand the Coke. I mean, I've never, I've done Coke maybe like six times. (laughs) I don't, I mean, it's like, I'm, I haven't done it for years. It's like, it's a bit much as a, as a person that's like trying to go to sleep. I don't really get it. You know, I'm like, yeah. I would like to be asleep. You know? Yeah. It's going to do the opposite of that for sure. No, I'm like, I don't understand people. I mean, no judgment, but I don't understand people who like in their thirties who are like doing Coke. I'm like, What's, mm-hmm. why do you want to be up? <laughs> that is literally like I do I like coke for that reason it's like oh I know it's mm. gonna be a late night like coke mm-hmm. is gonna keep me up like I'm gonna be able to get oh. to 5 a.m with with a little a little bump here and there Damn, um, but don't you aren't you so destroyed the next day oh I can't handle oh the worst it's like oh, the yeah, worst yeah. hangover poops like the yes. worst like your body just feels disgusting yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's oh, scary for sure. yeah it's scary <laughs> it scares me <laughs> First 10 minutes, uh, public sex, uh, cocaine. Champion. This is what happens, champions. Uh, Do you remember your first, uh, like, person you hooked up with at the pit or, like, comedy-wise? Oh, my God. There were so many. Um, I I feel like – so I've been doing comedy for, like – I've been doing stand-up for about – six years but then I was doing some improv before that so I was doing I mean there were so many improv guys I actually did this is a funny story I'll tell this um there are so many improv guys that I dated and hooked up with and like made out with and you know when I was like 23 24 and in improv classes I was just very in my head, like I, I was confident sometimes, but then I was just very, very insecure in a lot of ways. And and like, you know, you do zip zap zap with me. Like I will fuck you, you know, like it does not take much. <laughs> I'm like, okay, so he made eye contact during big booty, big booty. So I think we're going to fuck like, okay, <laughs> like for real. And so this one, oh my God, this actually, this makes me laugh. This guy that I knew from improv, sweet guy, sweet guy. Um, I haven't seen him in years and he he was very nice. We were in class together. Now I was in the stage in improv where I remember I was wearing very hideous clothing and I don't know why I was just like, I am going to dress really badly. Like it was an active choice because I was like, I want, I think I thought, oh, I want my improv to shine. I don't want any distractions. <laughs> so I'm just going to wear like extremely baggy, like ugly shit. And then like crush it at the Herald, crush the Herald or something like my, <laughs> but whatever I was thinking it made no sense. This guy that I met, he was in my class. I, we kind of had this connection. I was like, oh my God, he's like kind of hot. And then I remember inviting him to a show at uh, Queen's, the secret improv, do you remember the secret improv theater? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Someone just sent me a message to go there and I was like, absolutely what? not. Like, 
The only time I went there was because I was fucking someone. Right. Oh my God. So I I thought that place closed, by the way. So did I. I think maybe it reopened. That's so bizarre. I also remember that it smelled like really rotten milk. Do you remember that? Because Mm. I was on like a house team there or something. And I was like, why does this smell like milk? What's happening in this secret improv theater? Like, anyway, so I had like this show where I was doing musical improv on a house team at Queen's Secret Improv Theater. I was really bad at improv at this stage. Like I still do it and I'm, I'm good now. But at that time I was just like making really terrible choices. I think I sang a song first. So I invited this guy from, from my class to mm-hmm. come see it and, and like hang out with me after. Um, so like my intention was to impress him with my show and then obviously like fuck him. Not that it mm-hmm. matters, like they'll fuck you, you know, even if the show, it, they'll actually more likely to fuck you if the show's bad. Anyway, so <laughs> I feel like, so oh, I, did yeah. show, I, think, I think I did like a, a spot song about like pedophilia and it was really awkward. I think everyone, no one laughed, like no one laughed. I don't remember the context, but I was like, I think I was like, somehow I you know the, my teammates were like she's a predator in this scene I don't know like it was just horrible and it no. wasn't funny and it wasn't entertaining and anyway after that I went back to his place and he was like that show happened I mean he wasn't complimentary anyways and then I remember we were hanging out at his house and we were getting high and then we he put on Cindy Lauper he started playing Cindy Lauper and he was playing time after time. And then we were super high. And I remember we were doing like a lot of stretching. And- Interesting. <laughs> yeah. And then a lot of like, we did like some kind of interpretive dance to time after time. Mm-hmm. And we were like, you know, like you almost like how you like do like the mirror game in improv class. It was like mm-hmm. that, but like, we're going to fuck though. And then we fucked. <laughs> And it was like, fine, you know, I mean, and it was very sweet. And then I feel like the next day I made him watch this like horrifying movie called The Piano Teacher. I don't know if you've ever seen this movie. It's Mm -hmm. like a really great drama um, about this like piano, French piano teacher that's into like BDSM. I mean, it's really (laughs) disturbing. Okay. So this was like, that was like my first improv hookup, I think. (laughs) was like he sees me do this horrible show we do this like time after time dance and then I make him watch this horrifying drama and it was like wow like I'm just like a girl like out here in these streets okay I'm just like an improv city chick yes and then you're like that first couple months you're like I'm living my best life I'm living my dream I dreamed of I lived in Stafford Virginia and then you look back and you're like oh my god like what a messy little whore I was which like nothing I regret none of the sex but I wish oh yeah you like um touched on it where you were like they made eye contact with me they're gonna they want to fuck me and I wish I think we all go through that like all like the ladies in comedy because there is this like it's not a power dynamic but you walk into these improv places these like hubs and there's all these dudes that are just like chest out I'm the fucking funniest thing in the world and you want to impress them and be their friends and they're also because they're funny like that makes them hot and then you actually meet them and they're these insecure little babies that don't know how to fuck aren't as funny as you think they are and you're like actually the star and they can't handle that oh yeah totally I felt that a lot now I I put so many improv dudes on a pedestal like when I was younger and now I'm like wow they were such losers anyways um (laughs) They were such you losers. Know, they were, okay. they were. And I feel like 
also, and I, I don't know if you think about what your take is on this. I feel like when I was newer in comedy, I got asked out all the time. Like men were constantly like asking me out, trying to fuck all now, nothing. Mm-hmm. No, I don't think that, I don't think that that's like, oh, I'm not desirable in some way. I think it's like, I don't know what it is when I was newer and I was vulnerable and I seemed very insecure. They were like ready to take me out and hang out with me. No one wants to fuck me now. <laughs> well, that's it. That's why like you see a lot of these. Um, I mean, I have not been like around the improv scene in years, but you'd watch them go after the new girls every time. Cause yep. it was the same Absolutely. thing. You, they wanted to, they wanted someone that I think felt a little moldable to them and that mm-hmm. did not scare them. But then mm-hmm. you get your C legs and then you get your mm-hmm. comedy legs and you're a better producer, you're a better stand up, you're a better improviser, and they can't handle that. And then that becomes like their dick just shrivels up, which like you don't want that, you know? Like know. fuck that. But I know I used to, I had this tweet that did pretty well because I think it's so relatable. And it's like, uh, I got laid so much more when I, before I had self-esteem <laughs> and I think it's so true. Yeah. I mean, truly now I'm just like, God, I can't, I'm so picky about who I date and who I'm, you know, who I'll let inside this. It's just like, it, it wasn't like that before. I was just so, yeah. I mean, they love the insecurity. They love it. They love it. It's I- Yeah. It's definitely like that. And it's also like, it's kind of a combination of things too. Cause we've, I've touched upon this with like a couple of guests. It, Mm -hmm. it also becomes like you learn your self worth. Like we don't have it at first, I know. especially like, I just really see it in women a lot too. At first you're told, and like, I don't know where you're from, but like, you just see everyone getting married really early and that's like supposed to be your life. And you, you may never wanted that and it didn't ever fit right. And then you get to a spot where like, oh, all these people are into me for like what I like and do. And then you realize it's kind of some ulterior motives there. And then you get a little older and you're like, well, this is what I want. This is what I need. Uh, And I'm not settling. The pool gets smaller. Absolutely. That's how I feel now where I'm like, oh, I I need all these things for someone to add to my life at all. You know? Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. So it's it's interesting how that's developed. And, and I think, yeah, I think every woman also, I mean, this is exhausting, but you know, like being a woman in comedy in general, I mean, it's just like, it's a whole thing. It's a whole thing where Mm. the second I'm on a date with a man, it's a thing. It's just a thing. I don't know what it means to them, but it means something. It's Mm. not like you walk in there and you're like, I'm in marketing and that it means nothing. That's just a nothing. Mm-hmm. Being like doing stand up at all, it's either, and I hate to say this because I feel like people say this all the time, and I I don't want to be like they're literally intimidated, they're literally jealous, like they're literally threatened by me. Like I mean, I don't know, I don't know what's going on in these dudes' heads, but it's like it's either oh, you know, they kind of want you to be laughing at them or they want to be funnier than you. And I'm not saying like, I'm not like the funniest person. I'm, I, I'm like an average comedian who's trying it, Then that's, but even that is like too much or something or they're, yeah, they, they don't really, I think it's a little bit subconscious too. I don't think, I think on some level and they wouldn't even admit to this, they don't really want to see you do well in this thing that they don't have the courage to do maybe. And it's like, what man 
on earth doesn't want to do stand up. I, I, it's hard if they're not creatively fulfilled in some capacity that they think that they should be doing stand up. So mm-hmm. I like, I like men who are, uh, have some creative passion that isn't that because mm-hmm. at least they're like shining in that way, you know, mm-hmm. and they feel like they're seen and they're validated. So as long as they have enough validation in their own life or their own specific interests, then I think you have a better chance of being able to date them. But if they don't, then it's a thing. And oh, I've yeah. dated guys who were like, you know, one, I dated one guy who was an audience member and I thought he was like in the film industry. Then a couple weeks into us dating, he's like, I'm actually going to do stand up. I'm going to try stand up. I'm like, Oh my God. Mm-hmm. So annoying. I should have broken up with him then, but then we dated for two years. And, um, you know, I mean, it was just like, I had to, I felt like, and look, I was not perfect either, but I felt like I had to carry him through these, like him bombing and not being able to handle it. And I was already Mm -hmm. kind of being able to deal with that, but it's hard to hold someone's hand when you're figuring out your own shit too, Mm -hmm. you know? And then it's like, why do all these men want to do stand up? It's like, just please. I try to discourage as many men as as possible. (laughs) from doing comedy like when I meet a man who's like I've always wanted to do stand-up I'm like oh you shouldn't don't do it where you're not welcome mm-hmm. <laughs> which I know is like fucked up because I have so many no. comedian male friends who are like good friends but they're already in it like I'm not this isn't like a date I'm on where a guy's like so how do I get into comedy I'm like oh my god I've been in that conversation that situation so many times it's it's pretty annoying you know yeah because it's then it's just it's you're just the mom you're just this person's mom and then it bleeds Mm -hmm. into other things too like I my last relationship before Aaron was like a really bad one comedian shocking and Mm -hmm. it was bad for a lot of ways um and like and I was young too and dumb too but like it also like for all the reason it was bad it was also like I was like in a mothering role for them too and when I got out of it it was like I don't fucking want that and with like yeah. dudes, I feel like uh, with guys that are like have never done comedy and want to get into it, it reminds me. And I like I am this girl. Like when I was thirteen, I wanted to be a surfer, right? I wanted to surf, and I think at thirteen, boys wanted to be a comedian. And Ooh. did they go for it? Did oh. they not? You know, and like right. I never surfed until my thirties. Like then I finally like started taking lessons and stuff. But it was like I always wanted it. I always wanted that persona, that vibe, that Roxy, yeah. that Billabong. And so like I personified it as a child never touching a board I wouldn't touch it till I was older but I mm-hmm. feel like it's kind of the same thing of like these men are like that was like their they were the class clown they were this yep. thinking it was yep. the same thing and it's like it's not like either do it or don't but yep. you can't be mad at someone who went for it just because you did it I know I so many people are just pussies it's like what I've learned growing up I is know. most people are just pussies and just I aren't know. willing to like try and live I know I know and then it's like I remember thinking at a very young age, I'm going to try and live. I am going to try and I'm going to go for it. And I, I remember thinking at a very young age at 13, like you better give it a shot and be willing to embarrass yourself. I remember thinking that so clearly having that in me for whatever reason, or think understanding fundamentally that failure is not really failure. It's just not trying. And I, I mean, obviously people say this all the time. It's very cliche. Like, you know, the real failure is not trying, but, but that is the truth. That and is that, the truth. You know? Um, and I struggle all the time, uh, with 
insecurities around being in comedy already right and like all of the things that come with that but then I'm, I'm in a way I'm so grateful that I don't have to grapple with should I shouldn't I do this because that is like a whole another level of of, of insecurity that I'm so glad that I'm not even dealing with at least I'm in the war and in the trenches and dealing with the the trials and tribulations of being at war in comedy, you know, <laughs> as opposed to being like, should I go into the army of comedy? Like, I don't even know, you know, like that's a whole nother difficult, like pussy ass bitch situation that I can't. <laughs> and then it's hard. And I, I want to be, um, and I will say, look, this was the last guy I dated, um, ghosted me. Very interesting. We dated for a few months and um nice guy but I, I just the whole time I I never really felt like I really knew if I wanted to date this guy I was kind of trying it out because he was such a sweet guy and seemed very ready to date me this is like an online guy and he had his own creative passions which I also really appreciated but there were many moments where I felt like you know there was one day he was like I'm a coward I remember him saying that mm. uh because he like wanted to put his music out, but he couldn't, or some people from his high school were like, you're a great musician. And he's like, I don't know how to just be an average guy. That's like people, some people don't like, I'm like, oh my God, being a woman in comedy, it's like, everyone wants you to kill yourself. You know, it's like <laughs> literally. So it's so hard for me to like, listen to like a 35 year old man be like, I don't know how to be average. It's like, you, you just need to invite some criticism into your life. And then, you know, so then it's like, I don't, and I've been in that situation many times now I've now, and then I feel bad. Cause I'm like, I, and then I sort of said that I was like, I want to be in a relationship where I'm talented and I'm going for it and you're talented and you're going for it. And that's, and then he literally said this, which I find insane. And I hope you're listening <laughs> dude that ghosted me, but wish him the best obviously a good guy but if he's ghosting at 35 it's like what are we doing here right yeah it's not cool um and I mean I have my issues too like I'm emo I have a lot of um emotions and I'm not <laughs> I mean that's not an issue but anyways I was like and then he goes I'm the most talented guy you'll ever date like I'm uh, trust me he said that and then I made a joke about it I was like well actually for your information I've dated several magicians so I don't think you really get <laughs> talent the talent that I've been around um but to me that was such an insane thing to say now I think he maybe walked away from this relationship thinking wow Maggie's a narcissist and like okay yes I'm doing stand-up you kind of have to have a touch of narcissism to do that right you have to be delusional you, you have, have to, to be delusional and like I have a lot of issues surrounding comedy for sure like I'm always scared of you know, I just have insecurity surrounding it, but I try to stay positive and, and rise above them as we all have to. Right. Yeah. But like I was like, so I wonder if he walked away from this relationship thinking like, wow, she's a narcissist. I don't know, whatever. And, but I, I literally, he, yeah, he was like, I'm the most talented guy I've ever date. I don't need you to tell me that I'm talented. I was like, wow. And then also what turned me off was that like, he was, we were at some live music event and he was like, um, my, my new year's resolution for five years has been to go to a music open mic. And I'm like, five years, this is not, you know what I mean? Like, this is mm -hmm. just do it. Like what? I, it's exhausting to be around that energy, to be honest, especially when like all oh, my friends yeah. are like powerful or like women who are just, just going for it. You know what I mean?
Oh, and then yeah. we like talk to a man that's like not. It's like, come on, <laughs> can't date you. <laughs> Ghost to me. Go ahead, ignore me. Most- Pretend I don't exist. Like that is the saddest statement I have ever heard in my life. I am the most talented person you're ever gonna date, and you've not Isn't even done crazy? an open mic. Like, Isn't that crazy? That is I that is like, narcissistic, I was in my opinion. Floored. I was pretty floored by that comment. I was like, wow. Oh, yeah. And like, get, don't get me wrong, very talented guy. That was part mm-hmm. of the reason I liked be, uh, being, mm-hmm. you know, dating him for the short time that we did. But I'm just like, what a statement. So if any of his friends are listening, that's what he said. <laughs> he said he was the most talented man I'll ever date. That's a direct quote. So whatever you heard about me, they, I had to literally take all his friends off my Instagram story. They're all like watching my stories. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, go away. I'm like, and, and you- then he goes, yeah, it's so weird. And, and I was very nice. I was like, listen, let's have a conversation about this. Whatever. I, I was apologetic, you know, and then ignored me i mean it's like it's a very immature thing to do to just like uh ignore someone and pretend they don't exist at that age you know what i mean oh yeah like i i'm talking about this on the pod all the time i ghosted left and right yeah in my 20s but never someone that i had dated exactly you can do it if it's like you went on one date or you went on two dates it's fine Mm -hmm. this is someone that was like in your life it's very weird that's so weird yeah What's so? But it's okay. So, I mean, yeah. Oh, I was. It, it say, is what it is. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, yeah. no, no, no. I'm excited. We're both excited. I love it. Yeah. The only thing I was gonna say about that statement too is it's like it's so clear how terrified he is and how insecure he is in himself to say something like that. You never say that. Like you just never say that. Like I yeah. am a very talented person. You are a very talented person. I would never ever be like I am the most talented person you're ever gonna meet in your Isn't life weird? because with the delusion with the like slight narcissism there is also the am I good enough yes, vibe for yes. people that are really doing it how really in it because you're surrounded by people that are great I know and you wonder how do you stack up exactly exactly so I, no one who really was in it and really felt yep. good about it would say that that is like That's the saddest so statement I've ever heard in my life like he so clearly <laughs> is so afraid of that failure and it could yeah. be fear of success like that's a real thing but that is not yeah. something someone with a fear of success says like that is yeah. us just a very sad 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 boy scared boy it was a it was a very sad boy moment um and I felt bad because like, look, I, I'm not perfect. And maybe I was, I, I felt like potential. I maybe emasculated him on every level that I possibly could or something in conversation. Cause sometimes when I'm like admitting to how I'm feeling about a certain situation, it's like, it all comes out. And then I'm like, fuck, I, I was too mean or something. And then I feel guilty. And then I'm like, God, I'm the worst. But then it's like, you know, I don't, I don't really miss that relationship. I'm just like, I, I can't believe that people are ghosting at this age. You know, mm-hmm. it's kind of, it's kind of crazy. Kinda oh crazy. yeah. And like, um, oh crap. What did you just say that I was going to go off on? Um, uh, I can't remember. Damn it. That's okay. But like when you're in a relationship too, like part of it is learning how the other person communicates and like learning right. how to go with that and compromise with that. Like I have all the emotions. I 
like me and Aaron are kind of opposite. I'm like, I want to get everything out. Once I get yeah. it out of my head and I say it out loud, it's not as scary. It's not as real. Whatever yes. that is, if I'm angry, if I'm sad, if I'm happy, if I'm mad, all of them, like any emotion. Um, He's not the same. I have to learn how to kind of, if, if he needs to talk, I have to learn how to not talk, like kind of how to listen. Yeah. Like I've learned how to listen a lot more. Yeah. But to like, to your point, like there's nothing wrong with, saying how you feel and if that person's also kind of making you feel bad about that as well too like that's also like that's not cool on their part either yeah I mean who's to say I don't know I I mean I haven't really thought about this relation a while but since we were talking about Mm -hmm. this I'm like oh right you know this whole situation um but yeah it's it's weird I think especially I don't know there's something I mean I also um you know, I'm a bisexual person mm-hmm. and I, but you know, like most bisexual white women in New York city, it's like, I've mostly dated men, you know, I mean, listen, Same. it's a very classic, um, thing, but I've, I've just found that that dynamic is just different with, with dudes. There's just like, it's almost like I have to operate in a different way or something. Mm-hmm. With, with when dating men, I'm like, oh, right. I forget that you have to like really be careful about hurting their, their ego or something. Mm-hmm. And you really have to work on making them feel like a valued man or something. I don't know. And I don't really know how to do that sometimes. And I get it. Yeah. What I'll say is that if, if you feel like you have to do like that type of mental load, they suck walk away yeah yeah. like like there was definitely rocks and bumps with like me and Aaron the first year or two learning like how to navigate each other and like he's not a comedian but he like has dabbled he has his own life and that was what was really important is he has his own life like we both have our own lives and we definitely I would never say I'd ever had to like worry about his emotions in that way like, obviously, mm-hmm. I'm worried about his emotions, but I've never been like, oh, I have to make sure I don't emasculate him. Actually, this is what makes, reminds me of what I used to, what uh, what you said in the past reminded me. I used to emasculate men I was dating on purpose by calling them kiddo to see how they would handle it. Wow. Because I, I was like a big <laughs> red flag for me. I like, if you can't handle a woman who's like shorter than you and maybe a year or two younger than you being like, so what's up, kiddo? If you can't handle that because it makes you feel lesser than, but you're yeah. calling me like sweetie or girly or some shit, like yeah. we're done. Yeah. Um, And like Aaron could handle it. And then when he yeah. found out that that's why I did it, he was like, that's weird. And I was like, is it that weird? Because you've <laughs> never dated as a woman. Like you just have never had to deal exactly. with the weird shit we have to deal with. Exactly. Um. But yeah, but someone like, and men and women too, like women have this issue too, but like someone who's like emotionally open to a relationship and emotionally ready to grow too, because that's kind of it for a relationship. It's like, I like this person. Am I willing to grow with this person? Yes, absolutely. Then you don't have to worry about that shit. Like you don't right. have to worry about someone freaking out. Like, yeah, they could be like, hey, that hurt my feelings because of X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. Like we mm-hmm. we sometimes had issues where like, I'd be like, I need you to tell me how you're feeling. And he'd be like, I feel like this. And I was like, okay, that makes me feel like this. And he'd be like, but now I feel like I can't say my opinion because you have opinions. And I was like, yeah, I have an opinion on your opinion of this argument. Like, absolutely. Yes. How do we get yes. from there? Like, there's definitely like learning how to like communicate the best for each other as that couple. But mm-hmm. if, and like, I'm just thinking of like all these like dumb 
dumb like comedy boys that were like you hurt my feelings you did this like one time I was hooking up with a guy that would constantly like lead me on a red and I was like okay we're not doing anything and I started dating someone else and he like saw me kiss this person and he was like leaving me this like diatribe via like Facebook messenger of like how could you do that to me and it's like bitch like we were never together like I'm not in charge of your emotions if you're not willing like and you're not willing to be with me like until all of a sudden there's like another thing yeah yeah, I, I agree with that. It was like, and I, I always, I really do try to, you know, work on myself and, you know, look at, and I've grown a lot. I have a lot of work to do, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like you can do that in a relationship with someone that's right for you. But I didn't, I just didn't sense that there were just a lot of moments where I'm like, I don't know if this person can change this mentality surrounding this of like, mm-hmm. I'm, yeah, I'm, because there was a lot of bitterness. It's kind of like you reach this point in mm-hmm. your life where you have two choices. You're either going to like, try to really stay positive for the most part and um, like go towards people who are ahead of you. Right. Yeah. Or you're going to live in this bitterness zone of like, I was robbed of the chance to be that and I'm talented and these people are not successful people, you know, they didn't earn it or something. Right. But it's like that kind of mentality just blocks you from ever being in that position yourself. Mm -hmm. So, and I felt like I sensed that from this last guy where it's like, you're kind of going toward this bitterness route of like the world owes you this and this and this. Mm -hmm. And you know, like life is unfair. Like life sucks. You know what I mean? Life is hard. Especially like when you're going, when you're pursuing something artistic, it's like, there's so much uncertainty that's involved. There's so much faith that you have to have in yourself. There's so much hard work that you have to do for like no money for a while to like, you know, to really, um, uh, be in it and continue to be in it. So I feel like if you're already in that zone of like, well, I am entitled to this because I'm good, then it just doesn't make any, it's, it's really all about the audacity. Like you have to have some talent, but then you have to really just have some audacity and be going for it at all times. Um, and yeah, I just don't want to be in a relationship with someone that is, has an ounce of bitterness. I just don't, I'm like, I cannot, cause I have that in me too, but I really push it down and I really try to transform it into gratitude and hard work, like mm-hmm. whatever jealousy or envy or, or resentment I have, I'm trying to transform that into, uh, uh positivity and creativity, mm-hmm. you know? And mm-hmm. when I see a guy that's like, uh, doesn't get that like in your thirties, I'm like, come on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't want to grow with someone like that. Absolutely not. No. And it's like so good that you recognize these things too, because like, yeah, like to add to the list of things you have to have as like a performer, like you are, you're a little bitter. Like you see people that you see people that, you know, are not as talented getting farther. Exactly. So much of this is luck. So much of this is chance, right place, right time. Mm -hmm. And so if you're going to say you're the most talented person you're ever going to meet, but you have, like you said, the audacity to not perform, like go fuck off. Like you just aren't ready to deal with the truth of that statement. Right. 
Right. And it's like being able to manage jealousy and resentment in an art when you're on an artistic path is a huge, huge mm-hmm. undertaking. It's mm-hmm. it's it is a lifetime of of self work. Mm-hmm. And it, one of my ma- major and I've done a lot of work surrounding that of like everyone's success is your success. Okay. A woman in comedy succeeds. That's we're all succeeding. Right. Mm-hmm. Like this is something that you have to remind yourself of every day. If you're not in that place, it's, and you're not even aware that you need to get to that place all of the time. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it's like, you're so behind, you know, mm-hmm. you're so behind and you're just blocking yourself from sharing whatever talent you have. You're blocking yourself. If you can't manage those emotions, that's a huge thing. Social media is a huge part of it too. Mm-hmm. Like managing your emotions around social media, huge. Like, huge undertaking, but has to be done, has to be done. Like it's so important to figure out and be around people who have some positivity surrounding it and whatever anxiety we have around it. Like we all have it. You Mm -hmm. you know, it's so important to figure out how to manage those feelings. And if you're not willing to even try, it's like, come on. You know? Yeah. And if you're not willing to admit that's a problem too, because for a long time, I think we all go through like, you're just so angry. Everyone's doing so well on Instagram, on TikTok. Mm-hmm. Like I haven't even dived into TikTok. Like I have one to watch stuff, but I have not put any of my shit on there because I'm like, I don't know if I can handle another platform. And maybe yeah. there's just a boundary that I need for myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause yeah, just learning how to deal. It's the moment it's you can, yeah. The moment you can ride the wave like the lows and the highs and not to bring up Scotland. I feel like I keep bringing up Edinburgh in every episode. Yeah. I feel like I really learned it there. Like it's yes. this boot camp. Like it's like this immersive like therapy. Yeah. What they call it? Like um uh like like it's not cognitive behavioral, but it's like we're going to put you in your worst fear and you're going to have to mm-hmm. do it over and over again. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, "Oh, okay. One, everything's not real what you're seeing online. Two, you are succeeding where you need to. It doesn't matter that you're not going like as fast as blah, 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 right. like whatever. But yeah, like it's like everything you just said that like if you're not willing to do that work or understand that it is constant, it's a constant mm-hmm. thing. And like, especially now, like being in comedy for like, say like 10 years, like you see who's done the work and who is content with themselves and not content like where they are, but they're like happy with who they are and then get on stage those are the ones that are like killing it in a way that the people that are killing on stage but haven't done the work ever will yeah they're like not like they're dead inside but there's something missing like I love having a life outside of comedy it's like I do have this other thing like I'm not gonna do anything comedy wise this whole freaking weekend like yes or you'll go crazy I know. I know. I agree. I agree. And it's so important to have um, what I like to call ambitionless hobbies. Mm. I think that's really important because that's really good. Actually, it's good, right? Yeah. I think about that a lot because I have a lot of things I love doing that bring me a lot of joy that have nothing to do with my career in comedy. Uh, I think they feed my soul, which is really important because you need that soul intact to be able to be enjoying yourself on stage and having as much fun as you can and understanding that like stakes are pretty low at the, in the grand scheme of things, stakes are low. That's like my new mentality this month is like stakes are low. You know what I mean? I have this show coming up at Soho Playhouse. I have to remind myself how much fun I have on stage. I love performing and I love being on stage and it's just so fun for me. So I try to remember that. And then 
my ambitionless hobbies include <laughs> like I, I do a lot of, um, I, I love going to karaoke. That's one. And, um, I do a lot of like weird art projects. I, I, I make a I love decorating my apartment. That's a big thing. I do a lot of photography, like all these things are just good for my soul. Yeah. Um, and I do have a lot of other like non-comedy friends too, which I feel like is important too. It's really important. Um, yeah. Because like, I'll definitely see some of my friends that are like on shows every day, every day, mm-hmm. multiple shows every day and they're exhausted and uh, not like a sad, like, but there's just something that I know like they don't feel fulfilled or they feel like it's not enough. And I think learning yeah. too of like, within comedy and within relationships of like, I'm enough. Mm-hmm. What this is like, what I bring is enough and it's going to resonate with certain people and it's not going to resonate with everyone else. And it's going to jive yeah. with certain people like who I date or I'm with like friends with. And yeah. that's important to like recognize that because that's like, uh, for me, it was like, oh, like I'm not a burden in any way, mm-hmm. relationship wise, platonic mm-hmm. wise, career wise, like I bring something to the table. And for me, I think that was the biggest thing that I had to relearn. I think like I relearned it in that break in COVID, like, cause I was really mm. like on a downward spiral before in 2019. And I was like, mm-hmm. I don't know if I can do this anymore. But then once I learned, like I bring something to the table, not that I have to, but like, I have worth yes. um, in this, uh, thing that I'm creating and in this relationship and like in this like friendship, like this is why I'm here. Or it's like, this is why this friendship relationship needs to end because my worth isn't being recognized or it's not fitting correctly. Like it just totally. doesn't work. Um, I felt like I got, forgot where I got here, but yeah, just like, and then just like finding someone, uh, or people that just get that and respect that. And also are willing to recognize that too. Like, I don't know Mm. about you, but as one, a Leo and a comedian, I need constant validation in every source, like from my family, from my husband, from my friends, from my show. And also learning that like that's okay like that's just yes. my fucking love language like that's how you're going to make me feel confident and that's okay yep. that that's what I need yep. that's actually very helpful to hear because I feel like we all need that you know and I feel mm-hmm. like I do too I mean I'm always performing and I'm constantly needing uh to feel seen and understood right mm-hmm. and I think everybody wants that and I it's nice to hear you say that's okay that's okay that you want that. And then you can also get that. And if, and part of you needing that in a relationship is totally fine. Cause I think I have this thing of like, I shouldn't need that. I shouldn't want this. I shouldn't, but also like everybody wants it. Mm-hmm. We're just admitting it. Yeah. We're just saying it out loud now. Like everyone yeah, wants exactly. Yeah. My boss, um, my boss, when he first started a year or two, he was like, I want to know everyone's love languages. And I was like, oh my God. Wow. Wait, what, um, I'm sorry. What job is this? <laughs> it's a customer service job. Um, I do wow. love my boss. He's great. He came in during a shit storm too. And he's really been great. But so I was like, okay, like I was like, acts like money, monetary. And then I was like, I guess like, and this is before I, I was like recognizing like I needed this. I was like, I guess praise. And so every yes. once in a while, he'll give me like, you know, D- DM me praise like, hey, I noticed this, blah, blah, blah. And it'll change my whole fucking week. Wow. Like, I'll be like, holy shit. I forgot that I needed to hear that from you. Like, I need to hear from you that you think I am a good little worker bee for this like little <laughs> job. I just need to hear that. That's all I need to hear. And I'm just That's like, so funny. Like, I'm just lighter. I'm happier. Yes. I'm springier. Yes. Like I was talking to my, um, this, my like, 
my shift manager is not the boss boss. And I was like, Hey, is our boss? Okay. Like he seems mad. And he was like, yeah, he's been like, like you can feel like a difference. And it's like, yeah. Oh, and then it affects me a little bit. Cause I'm, I will never say I'm an empath, but other people's emotions highly affect me. I think yes. empath is a little eye rolly, but I, it's an eye roll moment for sure. <laughs> but I definitely like can yeah. feel other people's emotions yes. and I'm like, Oh, like so-and-so is like upset. And like my boss, yeah. my other boss was like, yeah, like he's, it's fine. But like, he was like, blah, blah, blah. Like I've said about some numbers or something. Um, and I was like, oh, okay, but I'm, he's not mad at me. Right. Like that was like my second question, but he's totally. not mad at me. Totally. We're good. But yeah, like validation. Um, and yeah. that's what I like about this podcast too. Is like, I will always admit like what I need, no matter how embarrassing it is. And validation is one of them. I don't think it should be embarrassing because we it's, all want it. That is amazing. I know I'm going to take this with me. I'm like, it is not embarrassing to want that, you know? Um, cause I do feel like I, I, need it in a lot of different ways. One of the things is like, I feel like, I don't know why I have this. This can lead me into my show, Sex Witch. Oh, yeah. I, I think I need, and then maybe saying this, because uh, sometimes I'm like, oh, I want the Sex Witch part to be at the beginning of the pod. I should have done that, but I, maybe- I maybe- do an intro, outro too. So I'm going to talk about that in the intro and outro as well. Amazing. And be okay, like, cool. this is the star. This is like the creator of Amazing. it. Yeah. Don't worry. I got you. Perfect. Perfect. Um, so I, I feel I have this thing of like, I don't want people to think I'm dumb. I think I have this thing of in me. I'm like, I'm people think I'm dumb or something. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that's true. I don't think people are thinking about me really at all. But uh, <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's that fear. And I think that comes from uh, my experience in this Basically, you know, my first sexual romantic relationship was with this teenage witch girl. We were witches together. And that's what the show is about. Oh, my and God. I, know I love this. It's, it's cute. Um, but it was also very dark because she sort of convinced me that we had these powers and that she was the powerful one. And she was training me to be eventually to eventually be a powerful witch and all of this stuff. And there were all of these people that she could channel into her body, like celebrities and shit who were witches and warlocks. And then she would like bring these people into their, into her body. And then we would like make out. And that was like my experience in witchcraft. Mm -hmm. And it, there's way more to it, obviously, like, please come see the show. It's, it, it really goes deep into it. Yeah. I'll comp you. I'm going to comp you. So for real, for real. And, um, and I'll give your husband a a promo code. I don't know if I could comp (laughs) Aaron. I would actually to want to pay. I'd want to pay for both of us because support the arts. Like oh I would gosh. absolutely want to pay, but thank you. Thank you so much. Of um, course. Yeah. So that's what the show is about. And I think um, I felt tricked by this girl, you know, because mm-hmm. I was so all in. And this comes back to what I was saying earlier of like, very at a very young age, I was just like, you just got to go for it. I was always a theater kid. I was always like performing and I had a lot of anxiety and a lot of fear uh, in me from a very young age, just like deep visceral anxiety going on. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking like, you better just power through this because your whole life is going to be you being around people. Like you need to work through this social anxiety. You need to work through this and you need to go for it. So I feel like she was someone who kind of saw she, I felt seen by her. Mm -hmm. I felt seen and, and understood. And I felt like my creativity at that age was respected Mm-hmm. by her and then that's why I felt I felt like I could trust her to go on this witchcraft journey which turned out to be 
you know, her tricking me and her kind of uh, abusing me. I mean, honestly, so it's a very dark yeah. subject, but obviously the show is funny. I would never bum anyone out for an hour. Uh, I would never do that. So it's, um, yeah, but I think in dating now, I'm, I'm always, I think I can be on guard a little bit. Like, does this, is this guy, is this person making fun of me? Are they kind of tricking me? Are they out to get me? I think I have a little bit of that in me. Mm -hmm. Um, it's definitely something I've worked on and I don't really, really feel it as much, but I sense that at times Mm -hmm. because of that experience as a, as a teen witch. Yeah. Yeah. No, totally. I mean, she did, there was a major power dynamic to be like, I'm teaching you, I'm guiding you. Mm -hmm. And that's a lot, especially at that young of an age to experience and then deal with down the road. And those are some pretty formative years that absolutely that's going to stay with you a little bit and that's okay. And I think I can't remember where I learned this. It was either my therapist or a TV show, but it was like, it was something they were saying, like, I like, they were saying like, I'm an alcoholic. Like, it's just, it's just who I am. It will always be with me no matter what, if I never like drink or something like that. And like, they, they compared it to something else too. Cause like I have OCD. So I was like, and you're, Mm -hmm. you get very shamed about it. Like in your head, no one cares. And I, like, I was like, Oh, like I just have OCD. Like, it's just part of who I am. It's never going away. No matter if I never have a compulsion or if I never act on a compulsion ever again, it's just Mm -hmm. in me. It's who I am. So it's like, Oh, I dealt with this as a child. Like I had this like, you know, ultimately shitty, which ex girlfriend mm-hmm. and it's just going to always be a part of my story. And like, yes. that is okay. Yeah. And it does like feed into like social anxiety and stuff like that too. And it's always so interesting to hear like other female comedians. Cause it's like, we live the same life, not the sex, witch part, but it's like, yeah. yeah having to like plow through social anxiety, having to plow through like all this stuff. Cause you knew you wanted yes. this which also just what makes all these women so fucking cool is because yeah. you're 13 12 13 14 and you're like I don't care what I have to do I will get there and so yes. many people don't have that energy or yeah. that mindset and it's like yeah. a very powerful very cool energy uh to be around even like last night normally I don't hang around after shows but I was like oh I really like Rachel and Kirsten like yes. I haven't seen Kim in a long time and it was like the energy was just so great I was like everyone here is happy doing their thing and mm-hmm. like mutually respects everyone. And that's like really fucking cool. Like I love it, this. It is. It is. And I, I love that too. And um, no, that's really helpful to hear like, okay, yeah, this, my OCD is a part of me. That's okay. Mm-hmm. This, this relationship is a part of me. That's okay. Um, I, I've been reading this book called Fuck Feelings recently. It's Ooh. pretty helpful. Yeah. I like it. It's kind of, it, it sort of frames itself as like the last self-help book you'll, you'll ever need. And um, I kind of like it because it's like, it, it sort of speaks to that sentiment that you just touched on of, of like, look, life is tough. You There's a lot of emotional trauma that you're going to have to deal with just all of the time. And mm-hmm. basically the goal is to not let, to acknowledge that negativity. You don't have to be this like toxic, toxic, positive person, um, which is sort of creepy, you know, mm-hmm. um, but you can acknowledge that negative negativity and you just have to be able to understand how to not let it rule your life. Like you can't let this negativity rule your life and whatever Mm -hmm. that means for you. And I'm like, okay, that, that is helpful. That's helpful to me. Um, but yeah, I mean, it is really nice to be around. Yeah. Like female comics. I mean, I'm around those, those are like some of my really, I mean, Kim 
and Rachel are like my really good friend. I mean, I hang out with them all the time. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. and Kirsten, I see all the time too. Like they're, they're all such great girls. And like, it is really nice to be around people who I think aren't, they're not engaging in any level of self-deception, if that makes sense. They're yeah. just very true to themselves and very true to what, what their soul is telling them to do. Also, what I think is rare is even having a little song inside you that's telling you to go try this thing. That doesn't mm-hmm. happen all the time either. So you have to kind of honor your passion mm-hmm. when you have it at all. Some people don't. Mm-hmm. And I I forget how lucky we are to even have this crazy drive and this struggle to, you know, it's like some people don't even have this struggle with their passion. It's like, I'm mm-hmm. at war with my, with my passions every day, you know, mm-hmm. and it can be exhausting, but it's like, I'd rather that than again, not even knowing what to do or not being, we're being crippled by my anxiety surrounding you know, what I want to try and can't, I mean, yeah. it's interesting. And also it's like, this isn't back to the fuck feelings book. Another thing that it touches on is like your, your life is always going to have problems. You're always going to have problems in your life. Uh, but what types of problems do you want? Right? Like, do you want mm. your problem to be like, I'm in a job I fucking hate and I hate my boss and I'm the smartest person there. And, and everyone, uh, but I'm scared to leave because I don't want to be the dumbest person at my job. So I'm never going to leave, but I'm going to complain about my job until I die. Is that mm-hmm. the kind of problem do you want? Or do you want a problem that's like, I just started my own business and it's tough, but it, it and, or I have a show that's coming up and it's tough. Like mm-hmm. I have a lot of, you know, it's a lot of stress putting up a show at Soho Playhouse. Like it's a lot, but mm-hmm. I'm, these are problems I want to have, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm there's it's not like I'm answering to some boss I can't stand you know and I've been in that situation many times where I've had like a bad boss and like I've done like a million horrible temp jobs that I like hated and I'm I'm like I don't want to do that anymore and if I have to do it it's it's a temporary thing literally temp but um you know (laughs) not temp to perm I'm like I will never go perm ever um (laughs) ever so but it's like, yeah, what types of problems do you want to have? And and it's nice to be around people who are like, we're all sharing the same anxieties. Like we're all going for things that we have to, that we have anxieties about, that we're nervous about. But it's like, these are the types of issues I want to be dealing with. I don't want to be like, I don't want my main issue to be like, I just hate my life anyway. I, mm-hmm. I hate my, what is the situation I've ended up in or whatever, if that makes sense, you know? Oh yeah. It's like my biggest fear. I would yes. be miserable. I don't know. I would be like a shell of myself if I didn't have Dang. something that I was working towards. And for a long yes. time, I was afraid of that because it was like, am I always going, am I always going to be unhappy in that sense? And it was like, no, it's just that this is a part of you that you really wanted. And this yeah. is what you're doing for it to not know what you want. I would not wish that on anyone I know. like, or to know what you want and know you'll never go for yeah. it. Like that is the saddest that's thing for the, me that's too. That's the worst, I think. Mm-hmm. It's better. Yeah, that's the worst. That's the worst. Yeah. 
Oof, and we all, we me. all do it. Like there's always little things like the surfing. I was so, I literally was like afraid of sharks and I was like, I just can't do it. And then COVID oh. happened and I like, it reset the whole, like, I don't want to have any regrets. Like, I know we all yes. have regrets, but it was like, I want to know. I tried, I tried to get yes. on a surfboard and try to stand up. I will never be oh professionals. Like not, I said, snowboard, a surfboard or I'll never be professional. I'll never be like amazing at it, but I want to know that I can do this. I can at least try to do this. Like I want did you, to- where did you surf? So Rockaways, Rockaways. Oh my gosh. I knew you're going to say Rockaways because I've had a couple other friends take lessons there. They're great. I love it. So cool. I highly recommend if anyone wants to do it. Um, But it was just, it was like in COVID, it was like, what are the things that I have not done that I want to do? Like Scotland was one of them. It's like, I have to, I have to do this. I don't know what's going to happen. That's how I felt too. That's how I felt too when I did it. And -hmm. and it's, and we talked about before and it's like so much and so hard and so scary. And like, I'm so glad I did it. Like, I'm so glad. Uh, and it was just like, it is just like, I, anything that I can control, I don't want to regret it. Anything that I'm in control of. Absolutely. Absolutely. Cause I, I have this thing in me, like my, yeah, my soul will die if I don't like it. I follow the fear. Like I go, I follow Mm -hmm. the fear and I've done so many things that I was terrified of. And now I'm not like, I, I mean, and my body understands now, like this isn't something you're scared of anymore. I remember Mm -hmm. the intense physical horrifying anxiety I had like the the day I knew I was going to do stand-up for the first time I was like I was shaking shaking Mm -hmm. but I was like you're going to do this I had already been performing for like years but this was different because this is like you you know it's all you yeah I want to like fall back on yep and I remember telling myself in the beginning being like just give yourself permission to be terrible just give yourself permission to suck and like then, you know, you go through all the waves of like, well, now I actually can't suck because there's more pressure, but then you sort of get into a different place of like, well, there's no pressure, but you don't really suck anymore. So you don't have to worry about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then still allowing yourself to suck on some level and moving on. I mean, there, there's so much that goes into it, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, the no regrets thing, that's pretty big. It's pretty rig. I think if I were to get hit by a bus, like tonight, let's say, uh, <laughs> like I'd be like, I... I have no regrets. Like I, I really went for it. I did. There's nothing yeah. I didn't, there's nothing I didn't go for. You know what I mean? I mean, I totally, good. every time I fly, cause I'm so afraid of flying. It's just like the one way I don't want to die. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm always like, if you die on this flight, would you die happy? Like I ask myself that every yes. time and I'm usually like, yeah, I'm yes. usually like, I'm, I'm good, yes. but I just don't want that. Like we're falling 20,000, 30,000 feet. And I, I've um, done nothing I wanted to do. Yeah. Like, yeah. Right. Like yeah. regret mm-hmm. everything, like regret not taking the chances. Mm-hmm. Also, it wasn't follow the fear, the pits logo. Oh my God. I think it was. It was. Yeah. UCB was don't think. And the pit was follow the fear, which again, <laughs> again, it just goes back to like a lot of my life started the moment I was yep. like, I have a lot of bad memories there and I have a lot of good memories yep. there, but it's everything changed the moment I stepped it, into that door. It's so true. It's so true. The moment you're in that dressing room, just, <laughs> just getting <laughs> railed, getting fucking railed. It's that so dressing great. room. <laughs> So normally at the end of the convo, I do yeah. ask, um, is there anything we didn't talk about that you want to talk about? I think I, I think I'm good. I feel, I feel very, uh, I felt like this was a very cathartic conversation for me. Oh yeah. No, anytime I'm like you trying know? to explain what it's going to be like before, I always want to be like, like 
people say that all the time at the end they're like that was cathartic and it's like yeah it's like we're just we're gonna get deep in a way that you weren't expecting um in a very like easy way and i don't know how to ever explain that to someone before we start recording well i also was so because you know i've been doing a lot of um other podcasts like to promote the show and i just Mm -hmm. knew it would be so like easy with you also i know you you know what i mean mm-hmm, like not mm-hmm. super well but i literally saw you last night like at yeah <laughs> and i'm like hey natalie oh my god um and so i mean i just knew that it would be easy and chill and so i'm i'm grateful oh yay yeah it's really yay. nice thank you guys for listening um please rate like subscribe review go see sex witch uh sex witch musical uh off broadway from the 19th which is already passed till may 6th so see it till may 6th uh you will love sex witch the musical you will love maggie um go follow maggie at mags mags lal so m-a-g-s-l-a-l-s and go have a great rest of your week go have a good time go masturbate if you want is that what you want to do go do it i actually think i'm gonna do it right now because i need a little nap or need to be energized and depending on my mood masturbating will do that for me so We'll do one of those. So live, laugh, love, masturbate. I will see you guys in two weeks.